Welcome to the Dieter Melhorn Fishing Podcast. Whether you like to fish, enjoy talking about fishing, or just enjoy the fishing lifestyle, this is the podcast for you. So go grab yourself a cold drink or a hot cup of coffee, sit back, start tying up some fishing rigs, and enjoy the show. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to the Dieter Melhorn Fishing Podcast. I hope you're having a good day, whatever day it is that you happen to be listening to the show here in the start of 2023. We've got a new year, uh, first podcast of the year, as a matter of fact. I think it's the first one. Yeah, it is the first one. Uh, if you're a regular listener, thanks for coming back. If you're new, appreciate you stopping in and checking it out. Whether you're watching or listening, yes, you can watch this podcast. There's a video version that is on YouTube, on my channel there, Dieter Melhorn Fishing, as uh, with the audio, which is on every major podcast platform out there. Uh, yeah, give me some feedback. If you're watching it on YouTube, leave something down in the comment section. If you're listening, go to my website, DieterMelhornFishing.com, and there's a contact section. You can shoot me an email, give me some ideas and some feedback. Today's show is with a uh, state record holder uh, from North Carolina, Tyler Barnes. He holds the record for the largest flathead catfish ever caught in the state. Caught it a couple of years ago. And uh, he's a guy that didn't just get lucky. Uh, He's a student of the game when it comes to catching catfish. Young guy. Uh, eat up with fishing, uh, maybe to a fault, but he's like a lot of us, and uh, he's out there living his dream, fishing, got a full-time job, tries to fish as much as he can on the weekends, which is a lot, and um, like I said, he didn't get lucky catching this fish. I mean, he got lucky in the fact that, yes, it was there and it bit, but he's somebody that knows what he's doing on the water. He is somebody you don't want to be fishing against in a catfish tournament, especially where flatheads are concerned. He's won a bunch of them, won points championships down there in the eastern part of North Carolina where he's at, and uh, he's a great fisherman. Uh, I finally got a chance to talk with him. Uh, I've been wanting to get up with him in person. That's just hard to do, so we did this via Skype, and uh, I'm probably going to be doing more of these, and I appreciate him taking the time to do it. And uh, it's great to get his take. We don't really talk that much, honestly, about the state record flathead as much as we do about fishing and uh, just getting his perspective on things, his take on things. Uh, I think it's some good information and some good little nuggets of information, whether you're, you know, a seasoned tournament angler, trophy fisherman, or somebody just starting out. So uh, sit back and enjoy this podcast with North Carolina flathead record holder, Tyler Barnes. Tell me this, first of all, tell me about TikTok. You are like TikTok store. You're probably going to win the award for the best smile of any fisherman on TikTok. (laughs) How did that get started? Look, man, I tell you, Dieter, I don't really even know. So (laughs) to be honest with you, so, you know, downloaded the app, seen some other people doing it. I said, this would be so cool. I said, I'm going to give it a shot. So so uh, I get on there, and I do a couple lives, and it's okay, and it's like going like how I thought it would probably go. Then all of a sudden, it's like the stars align, man. And I'm telling you, like, the it was nuts, bro. Like, we, we had, like, 7.5 mil likes, like, seventh in the, the like the daily ranking in the united states and and there was 
dude, it has been nuts. It's it's really been super cool. I said, well, I said, well, you know what? That's that's gonna be just a once in a lifetime, never gonna happen again. Well, like the next weekend, it was not quite as successful, but it was great. And then the following, so so we I haven't really been doing it, but just a little while. But I'm super pumped up about it, and I plan to keep you know doing it for a bit and having a good time with it. So what's your TikTok handle for everybody out there? How, what the, what's your name on TikTok? What do you go by? Yeah, so it's Tyler Barnes, my name, underscore catfishing. Okay, cool. I'll put a link in the description and stuff on this so people can come check that out. Uh, and what do you, uh, for people that don't, aren't on TikTok, there's a lot of people that aren't. Are you just fishing on there? Is it just live fishing? What are you doing on there? Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm super, I'm super thankful to, um, to have this connection with Catch the Fever. So what I'm doing essentially is, of course, we're going to be fishing. We're going to be doing a lot of tournaments in real time. So everybody can see how I do. Might not be able to go live at every single one, but essentially that's what we're doing. We're fishing. We're either pleasure fishing, doing tournaments, bringing tickets talk to the weigh-ins so if i don't catch anything at least they can see some people that did uh you know occasionally we may do some tips and tricks and and tackle talk and and things of that nature but also uh we'll be doing a weekly giveaway uh by catch the fever so so whether it's a gift uh certificate whether it's a rod essentially what i'll do is um I may do a, a code and in in a winner that's watching it may be a random win uh, a follower a just a viewer or a subscriber uh, I'll pick a winner somehow uh, we'll go live when the winner's chosen and then that winner I'll private message that person and give them a code it may be worth a hundred two hundred maybe five hundred dollars and that person can go to catchthefever.com and order whatever they want because we're all understanding that everybody may not want a fishing pole because they may not fish they just might be in the in the TikTok just having a good time watching me you know act crazy <laughs> so that's so awesome so so this way if they say well i don't really fish but i like watching tyler well good well you go get you some shirts some hats uh or whatever you want you know so they they got a little bit of everything so super blessed uh to have that partnership that's cool now on a serious note with mm-hmm. the social media yeah do you fear you're giving up any fishing spots by doing this stuff because it's kind of hard when you're out there live i mean i'm sure you know now you fish in a place that's kind of remote middle of nowhere but there are certain landmarks that i'm sure show up does that concern you at all well you know Dieter, it it used to um i used to be extremely secretive in what i did and where i go but the more and more that i've been fishing and the more experience i've gained and learned about these fish and stuff it is so there's not a secret spot you know so these fish are moving they're swimming what may be a killer spot in december surely ain't gonna work in april or august or maybe the following week so so you know that's okay um uh you know just spots if if a person is to learn just spots uh, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You've got to know where the fish are going, how they're pattering, what bait, and just so many other factors. So spots, um, no, it doesn't affect me at all. I think it's, I think it's actually 
uh, a new beginning for me uh, to be able to to actually start going live uh, during tournaments because I think that is super exciting and that gets the crowd involved and it's like they're almost fishing with me. They're like, oh, he's got a 30. Oh, he needs one more. He's got a shot. And, and it's just, it's, it's super cool because I'm such a competitive person. But at the end of the day, I want everybody to learn and have a great time out there on the water. And if there's anything I can do to help in that situation, I'm here for you. So we'll get off the modern technology world and let's go back a few years. Where was your yep. first fish caught? What's your memory of your first fishing experience out there on the water? So far, as far as catfishing goes? Any fish, the first one you can remember as far back as you can go. Oh, man. As far back as I can go, that would be so tough. Let, let me think. Um. I remember, I tell you, I remember a particular trip uh, that me, it was, let me see, me, my, my, my dad, and I believe it was his brother, uh, Don, uh, that was with us at the time. And this was so long ago. I was just a little boy, eight or nine years old. Um, and I'm sure I've had many fishing trips before that, but the one that really sticks out is the first time I ever seen a flathead catfish. So, so being, being so young and, 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 you know, I'm little, I'm staying out there and I, I'm like dozed off. And my dad says, get up, get up. And I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, reel this fish in. And so he gives me this rod and I'm cranking and I'm cranking and I'm cranking. And, and anyway, so I, I get it, I get it in and it's a little flathead, like maybe like five pounds. And I've never seen one before in my life. And it was the coolest thing. And, and he was like, we're going to let it go. And I said, no, we ain't. This is my fish, and he's coming home, and he's mine. And <laughs> so, so it was. That was one that really, um, that really uh, has stuck with me there. Now, did you fish a lot with your dad and your family, or was this, or were y'all just kind of casual? We go once a month in the summertime, every now and then. Yes, yeah, so me and my dad fished religiously. So so he was hardcore into fishing just like I am. Now, not so much in the catfishing world. Now, d before he passed away, the couple years before he did, he was into it. Now, he, he was getting into it, and he was getting a boat, and he was trying to set it up. But um, before that, he was, uh, he was a very well-known uh, red drum fisherman out there on the cool banks so he loved going out there fishing tournaments he he loved it it excited him more than anything so so but you know as the as the drum move in and out uh, in the spring and the fall and stuff it's uh they're only there for a limited time so so during the off season he developed uh started talking to people and got into catfishing which is just like essentially the same thing you you throw a piece of cup bait out and boom you just fishing for different things uh, yeah. but uh and and you know from that he started catfishing and taking me with him but uh as far as fishing in general we fished when we did something together it was fish so yeah. really um i when growing up 
the only thing that I knew really to do was go fishing. I knew it was Sat Friday, and I knew I'm going fishing somewhere, and I don't know where, but it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> what was the? A lot of people don't know anything about red drum, redfish, the big bull reds, and all that. Tell them about that. Uh, that's you are toward the coast of North Carolina, so you're closer, way closer to the ocean than I am. We're in the same state, but I'm at the other end, and you're down toward the coast, so you're relatively close to it. What's red drum, red fishing like down there, the fishing you did? Oh, man, so it's such a blast. So so it's, uh, it's just like catfishing, but like so much more intense. So now there's a lot of people when that when the drum come, you know start running into the sounds and stuff to spawn and whatnot. They a lot of people go out there maybe to the mouth uh, to the mouth of the Noose River and other tributaries like that and 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 anchor out and and essentially just like we catfish they'll they'll fish for red drum. But what me and my dad did is we would always go to go to a Cape Lookout or Portsmouth Island and take the ferry across. And what we would do is we would go either north or south and uh, go to the inlet. And we would set up towards the inlet. And what we would do is we'd have these these 10 to 12 foot heavy action uh, surf rods with these big pin reels, like 8,500 pin uh, or 9,500s. Uh, and what we would do is the same rig, it's the same rig. We'd have our sinker slider with our weight down to a barrel swivel with our leader and a circle hook of, uh, of our preference. And what we would do instead of using like shad, we would use either blue crab or we would use jumping mullet, aka fat mullet, or and all, aka all kinds of other things. So um, essentially, it's the same thing. So, but it's, it's kind of like going to the river, camping out. Uh, and putting some rod holders in the ground, whether they're PVC or however you want to make your rod holders, and uh, and catfishing from the bank, but you're doing it in the ocean for for red drum. It's the it's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. And there's almost like in the catfish world, there's almost a fishing culture down there of surf fishing, fishing on the beach, that type of world. Yes, it's very intense. People take it very serious, very yeah. serious. Now, when did you make the transition? It sounded like you did a lot of bank fishing. Mm-hmm. bank or surf you weren't in a boat when did you make that transition over to fishing out of a boat yeah so so around about the age of 16 my dad got a little john boat it was a 14 footer with a six horsepower uh evan Rude. and at the time it was just enough to get us on on the water to a sandbar uh, and wherever we wanted to go. So at the time, we still didn't really fish from the boat. It was just a means of transportation. Load it up, let's get to point A to point B, and we're we're gonna throw out and then we're gonna go home. So so, um, he he passed away when I was 18, so two years later. And uh, so I had the boat uh, and I started going and I really became, you could say, addicted to it. Um, I felt like really when when I was growing up, Dieter, like I said, fishing was all I ever did. I didn't even go hunting. I didn't do. We didn't go out to eat much. We didn't. We didn't go to Disney World. We didn't go to King's Dominion. We went fishing. It doesn't matter 
it was fishing. We're going fishing. It doesn't, whatever it is, we're fishing. So growing up, it's all I knew to do. I've never been to these places. So I fished. That's all I do is fish. So as he passed, um, I kept fishing. I didn't give up. I didn't say, you know, go into some kind of depression or something, that, you know. So I kept doing what he would want me to do, which is fish. So later on, a few years later, I was able to sell that boat and get a 16-footer and start getting something a little bit more stable, a little bit more, you know, uh, you know, able to work with it. And, uh, and then eventually to an 18-foot to what I have now, which is a 20-foot sea arc, uh, you know, with all the crazy lights and rod holders and everything. So it's definitely not just a – it was definitely a work in progress. And uh, so it's – you know, so that's how I kind of got to the to the boat fishing. That, that, that's a good little progress and a good little journey there, getting there. Uh, what was the transition next? into the catfish i mean or bigger catfish because i think like myself i grew up fishing for catfish and we were trying to catch whatever but at some point generally speaking anglers that are pursuing trophy fish make a decision i'm trying to catch bigger fish i'm trying to catch the biggest fish whatever what was kind of the catalyst for you in deciding you wanted to up the game from just chunking out pieces of shrimp and hoping to catch one to catching something a little bit bigger. Yeah, sure. So I'd be glad to tell you. So, so like I said, I always had catfished and then, you know, just going, going, going here and there. Then one day, uh, my uncle, uh, Don, Don Barnes, he said, Tyler, he said, I was on Facebook and, and there, it looks like there's a catfishing tournament going on. He said, I think you should enter that. I said, man, I don't stand a chance against them guys. I said, a tournament? I said, he said, yeah. He said, you need to go. I said, no, no, I ain't going to go. And then it come up to it, and I said, you know what? What I got to lose? I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And um, I said, you know, I'm going to go. And so we entered, and we fished in our very first tournament ever. Uh, we got second place. So instantly i got sort of addicted i mean right off the bat to tournament fishing so then that led to a i do this anyway but now if there's tournaments and there's competition i need to get better so then as time went on i kept fishing i kept learning i started taking notes uh and, and i started talking to other anglers and learning them and getting to know them and come to find out there's so many different techniques and tactics and all kinds of methods and means to catching these fish it's really insane so it's really enjoyable and and you know just just really being from a tournament standpoint and having that 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 urge to do good at something whatever it is i've always gone to the extreme one extreme to the next so mm -hmm. with catfishing it's always been you know i want to progress and keep on and and if i didn't do good why didn't i and and how can i do better next time what are the, the describe the area the the surrounding area i mean like where i'm at i'm right outside of charlotte north carolina I can sit out there on the lake and have airplanes coming into the Charlotte airport. Yes. Uh, you know, I can hear interstate traffic. Uh, there's really, honestly, 
we have to pick our places to pee out of the boat because there's so many houses lying in the lake. Okay. Describe the area where you live and where you fish at. All right. So, so uh, I grew up fishing the Noose River. So I fish a lot of rivers, but, but I'll, I'll talk about the Noose River. Um, it's where I've started and, uh, and, and where I've progressed and, and so on and so on. So I've fished it many, many years. The Noose River is over 200 miles long. Uh, and for the most point, it starts in Raleigh uh, at Falls Lake Dam and runs all the way uh, through New Bern out to the Pamlico Sound. So it's a very long, but at the same time, very narrow and shallow river until you start getting down towards um, uh, Spring Garden and towards to Glen Burnie out to Newburn and so on. But from there, from Spring Garden all the way back to Raleigh, it can be, say, during the summer at a normal level, the average depth you're talking could be anywhere between two and four feet. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, yeah. the previous state record flathead, I believe, came out of the Cape Fear. Is that right? It, it did. How do those two river systems compare? Um, so they're actually pretty different. Um, so the Cape Fear is definitely a river that I fish a lot, and it's becoming one of my favorite rivers. And I've spent a lot of time studying these fish there too. But uh, that starts at, uh, at Jordan Lake Dam. And from Jordan Lake Dam, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. So you got Jordan Lake Dam, which starts the Hall River which runs down just a, just maybe a mile or so and intersects with the deep river. So, so two rivers come here, boom, which starts the Cape Fear River. And then this, this goes on down to Buckhorn Dam. And from Buckhorn Dam uh, to Locking Dam 3, it, it's kind of funny because all three, there's three Locking Dams on the Cape Fear, and they're all really kind of set up a little differently. It's kind of it's kind of cool. So so you've got three different types of fishing all in one river. So from Locking Dam three up river all the way to Buckhorn Dam, there's a lot of rocks. It's very rocky, a lot of a lot of shoals and deep drop offs. Uh, and just in, in, in structure and cover of that nature there. So um, it's very rocky. Then it turns into a flat, muddy bottom. But the further down you go, the deeper it gets. So, so towards Locking Dam 3, it's probably, you know, it can be uh, 15, 16, 17 feet on average when it's at its lowest and then past that lock between lock three and lock two, uh, it's all pretty deep. It's all pretty deep. I mean, there can be 30, uh, 40, even a place in there, I think 60 feet uh, and, and so on. And then past that, you get to, you get the locking down one, which is tidal from Wilmington to locking down one. And then so now all of a sudden you went from fishing rocks to, to deep, muddy, you know, river with with fallen trees and and all types of cover to, to a tidal section, all that quick. So it's pretty it's pretty cool. It's it's got really everything, <laughs> essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but down into Wilmington, uh, as the Cape Fear runs down, it intersects with the Northeast Cape Fear, which is a whole nother ball game. <laughs> but um, but and I, I don't fish the Northeast a whole lot, just primarily between Lock One and, and the Dam. 
Yeah. Now, are there blues in these same waters with these flatheads and all these systems down there, or are they yeah. kind of segregated? No, nope, so they're all together. Mm-hmm. Cool. What we haven't, I, I've heard people talk. I don't fish down there. I hadn't been down there, but yeah. I've heard rumors there's potential for some really big blues out of those same river systems. Mm-hmm. What keeps them from getting caught? Is it the just the terrain access to this? Just the distance from municipalities, people. What is it that keeps these things from getting fished more than they are? Um, what would what are we considering like a really big fish in this scenario? I mean, in the blue category, 70, 80, 90 pound fish. I mean, you're starting to get into the upper end of fish there as far as what you know, outside of getting into like record size fish. Right. Um, you know, so there's been there has been one monster blue catfish caught to my knowledge uh that was 112 pounds and that was caught on the northeast cape fear uh the northeast cape fear river in castle Hain. now besides that fish i've never heard or seen of anything even remotely close uh i've seen some 60 pounders uh some 50s a whole slew of 40s now i'll say that these river systems are are if you catch a 40 pound blue catfish out of any of these locks down to wilmington that's a good fish but not unheard of if you catch a 50 that's a very good fish if you catch a 60 you've really done something but as far as catching 90s and hundreds if they're in there um i don't know how to catch them either (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so, but I tell, I tell you, Peter, uh, Wilmington now, I will say Wilmington used to be on fire. Man, amazing fishing. It seems like all these tidal sections and rivers are. Uh, but after Hurricane Matthew came and there was that massive fish kill, it has never been the same. They're making a comeback. They're making a comeback. But when I say there was fields and roads full of blue catfish and flatheads there was people down there pulling up 40 50 60 pound flatheads trying to save them and it was just it was insane it was so heartbreaking but um that would be the only section at that time that i could even say you could catch an 80 pounder at yeah which brings up my next question um Do you think it's easier? I say easy, maybe that's not the right word. It's more likely to grow a trophy fish, blue cat or flathead, in a reservoir than it is a river system. And especially y'all's ecosystem down there is different in that it is susceptible to like hurricane tropical storm flooding. And that creates a lot of issues with fish kills and deoxygenated water runoff from hog farms, fields, all that stuff, and that's pretty widespread. It's almost like you get a purge every 10 years that kind of like levels the playing field back down to zero. Do you think there's a better chance of catching a super big fish like we've seen in Gaston and Kerr Lake and those reservoirs? Um, I tell you, uh, I think every, every body of water is, is different um and and the 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 most common thing that i hear that could be true it, it, i don't have any scientific 
knowledge, it sounds legit, would be that these river systems uh, will not really hold uh, larger fish than in a lake or or a reservoir due to due to them having to move with the flow and they're burning calories and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. I would find that um, I think you can catch trophy fish in both scenarios. Uh, do I think there's a world record in a river? Uh, probably, probably so. Probably so. Mm -hmm. I, now I can't. I of course I can't say that. Um, you know, we may hear it one day. I'm gonna be like, I remember that podcast. I told them. I told them. <laughs> But no, um, so so the current North Carolina blue catfish was caught out of Roanoke River, and I think um, I think the second one will too. I think the second, I think the next one will. I, so I've been fishing Roanoke for a little while, and uh, there's a lot of misconception with that river, but it's phenomenal. It is it is home to some very very large catfish. Uh, and I tell you, uh, one of its benefits to that is it has no competition. Uh, there's no flathead catfish in the Roanoke. Mm -hmm. So these fish, they just go nuts. And, and it's, it's, it's got the most bait as far, that I've ever seen as far as white perch, shad, the hickory shad that run up there in the spring is unbelievable. There's, but it's endless in endless in endless in endless amounts of food for these fish but can i say tyler does you know if you said tyler is there a 150 pounder in kerr lake i would say yes uh is there a 150 pounder in roanoke river i would like to say so yeah i would like to but it's hard it's hard to say because it hasn't been done yeah. um that's one of them things yeah, that's always been my thesis on it, is that it's a, all things being equal, it's a lot harder, I think, to grow a trophy fish yes. in a river because of fighting current. It takes more calories, more calories, to burn. it means you got to eat more depending on what they've got forged, but I, I just, I think it's harder, but it can be done. Mississippi's proved that there's big, massive fish in those waterways. How far do you have to travel? It, it you, you mentioned a lot of different fisheries down there what is how spread out is this stuff i mean like where i'm at we pretty much got the catawba chain we got the yadkin chain and then you really got to start heading down your way give us a lay of the land down there from where you're at to where all these different places are that you can catch big catfish down there yeah so so i'm very blessed right here in eastern north carolina so in goldsboro north carolina i'm very close to a lot of amazing places even the coast like we talked about i'm only you know two hours away from the coast uh two and a half depending on where where you're going uh but you know uh you've got noose river which is depending on where you want to go i could i could pack up right now and, and take a take a drive 15 minutes and put in or i could put in at a different section an hour away depending on where i want to go uh tar river is a is a river that we will all hear about in the future uh, for flathead catfish is I think uh, I think in the next coming years that's where the new North Carolina state record flathead will come from. Uh, I think uh, I've seen what comes out of there uh, and it's vice versa like the Roanoke. The Roanoke uh, has blues but this place has no blues. It's all flatheads. Mm 
So it's got the potential, not yet, uh, but it's coming. There, it, the flatheads were introduced uh, only about 22 years ago to the tar. So anyway, uh, so but the Tar River is about 45 minutes away. Uh, James River is about two hours away in Virginia. Uh, the PD River is about three hours out west. Um, Cape Fear, about a, depending on what section, between an hour and an hour and a half. So I'm surrounded by these great fisheries uh, all around me. So I get to pick and choose. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that brings up a good question. How do you pick? Do you have a... I mean, are there some areas better than others seasonally? Are you looking at water flow, what the river levels are, flow levels, or is it sometimes I just want to do something different? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of all of that. And I tell you, I, a lot of it is uh, I do chase tournaments. Uh, so depending on what trails are going on and 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 things like that so if there's no tournaments going on then i'll just go do what i want to do but but if there is tournaments that i'm trying to be successful in i will go pre-fish and 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 really hammer one river at a time and i'll leave all of these vacant vacant uh until i can fish them in the future but it, honestly i'm tournament driven a lot but uh you know that that's 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 probably most of it did because i i'm confident that you could go to any of these bodies of water that I've mentioned and, ca and catch quality fish all year long. Yep. Confidence, that's a good word um, because it's very important no matter what you do, whether you're a fishing guide, tournament fisherman, fishing for the fun of it, whatever. Um, and that comes with time. I mean, we all know that. It takes time to figure out whether what you're doing is right. Take us through your tournament approach every tournament fisherman approaches stuff differently some of them go to an area and i've seen them anchor and sit in one place where they mark fish and they're there do or die whether they catch them or not some people are putting the egg timer on and uh, you know as long as it takes to boil an egg if they don't get fired or they're moving what's your strategy take us through your tournament approach Yep, yep. So if I have the chance and the opportunity to pre-fish, uh, that is very essential to me, is pre-fishing. Now, I ain't going to say go out there and if you're slaughtering them, you just keep slaughtering them. Don't do that. If you have found them and you're doing good, it's probably you've done your job for the day. Go ahead and go home. And that's probably going to be the area that you need to hit. However, if you say you do not have a chance or or even if you did pre-fish, I go through the same tactics whether i don't it doesn't matter what time of year it can be winter fall spring some it i use the same tactics uh first of all i make sure i'm using the bait the appropriate bait that i find that the fish are looking for for whatever time of the year and then uh whenever i'm on the water i try to pattern them very quickly whether they're held on held on cover like log jams or structure such as such as it could be ledges it could be eddies that just depends so all of that depends so many factors with water temperature flow and time of year and just like so many things but the main thing for me is whenever where, wherever i'm fishing i pick one spot i sit there between about 30 to 35 minutes and then i move very quickly i move I'm a believer. It now in these small rivers. I can't talk for Lake Gaston. I can't talk for. I'm not a lake fisherman. I don't know nothing about lakes. So so I can't I can't speak for that. But 
all these smaller rivers that I've been to, like the Noose and the Cave and the Tar and the PD, um, it has been a 30-minute and move tactic for me. I find that he's either there or he ain't. And, uh, and I try not to get stuck on fishing one particular spot too long, no matter how many good fish I've caught in that spot. No, that's a good question. How, you know, uh, 30 minutes, hey, that's a rule I use when I'm in shallow water because mm -hmm. they're either there feeding or they're not. They're not just hanging out. Mm -hmm. But there are some places I wait longer. There's a buddy of mine, Chris Simpson. He guides down on Clark's Hill down in South Carolina. And when I fished with him, especially in Lake Monticello, totally different world than you're in, yep. it was 90 minutes. Nine. We're not moving for at least – and then if we started getting bit, we're staying. Uh, what what keeps you there though? I mean, if you're getting fish, do you leave biting fish? You know, they'll say you never leave biting fish because you'll 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 piss them off and they'll tell everybody and they won't eat. What's <laughs> your your strategy? When do you when do you say goodbye to a spot that you're getting bit on? Thirty five minutes. Because wow, you're yeah. hardcore with it. I'm hardcore because Dieter, I tell you. The, the way these rivers are, like I said, most of these are shallow, but, and you're targeting really. So so it's not like James River where it's 40 feet and they can be running and, and on this ledge and cruising. You're fishing three, five feet. Even in the wintertime, if you want to fish a deeper hole, it might only be 10 feet. Uh, that might be deep as it gets. And you're targeting that one spot. Because keep in mind, it's very narrow. I can throw all rods to both banks. And if I'm targeting this this piece of cover here, this this log jam, uh, then I I'm a believer that if he's on that log jam, I'm gonna pull him out of it in the first 30 minutes. And if he's not, I'm probably gonna move. And I have tested this and tested and tested, and I've done several trips. I said, you know what? I'm gonna give it 30 minutes, and I'm gonna write down when I catch a fish, and then when I catch one, I'm gonna stay another 30 minutes. 90% of the time, I do not catch another fish after that 35 minute, 30, 35 minute mark. Most of the time, when when I set up, I'll have them in the boat within that 15 minutes. It, but just for the benefit of the doubt, I will stay another 15 minutes. And if there's another one, I'll catch them pretty quickly. Normally, you catch one or two, and then it's dead. It's just oh, Rod down. Yeah, rod, rod down. down. So, so, uh, <laughs> man, so, <laughs> what? So that's For those of y'all that are not watching the podcast <laughs> and listening, we had rods go down in the background, so. Yeah, so we're going to leave those right there, man. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so, but, yeah, Dita, honestly, that is something that I, I truly live by. And trust me, I used to think, 30 minutes of move was crazy because I was like, well, you know, these fish are moving, yada, yada. They'll come by me. I'll sit here for two hours. But I'm not saying that you can't sit in a spot for two hours and catch one in 30 minutes and one in two hours because you can. But by the time you've gambled on that one spot for two hours, I've hit three spots. And I might have caught two to six fish. I may catch none. And here's the thing. If I give a spot two hours here and then I move two hours here, well, I've spent four hours in a location in an area of river that didn't have fish to start. 
So if I'm moving 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, and I ain't had a strike, I, that tells me quickly I only spent an hour and a half it, to tell me I need to either stay in this area and keep hitting for 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes in this area, or I need to run 10 miles. Uh, you can look, uh, well, well, you can't look because TikTok don't do that. But on my last TikTok, I had a friendly tournament uh, with some guys. It was only five boats. And I caught two little channel cats in my very first spot in the first five minutes. They were like this big. So I said, you know what? I'm going to throw these back. I'm not weighing these things in. There's no way. That's all I'm going to catch. I moved. I moved from there. I said, well, I caught two. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay here. Skunk. 30 minutes. Skunk. 30 minutes. Skunk. I made a 10-mile run. 30 minutes. Skunk. 30 minutes, skunk, 30 minutes, skunk, nothing. And I'm on TikTok, and I'm like, these people are like, Tyler, where's the fish? I said, they're coming, but I haven't found them yet. I said, okay, we're going to make one last run. We made one last run set up in this, in another area. Boom, put three fish in the boat, one spot, one determined. So now, if I would have pre-fished, I would know that I needed to start there. So, but it was a fun trip, no pre-fishing, just hanging out. But, uh, you know, that's just how it goes. But that's my method. If I give too much time in an area, if I, if they're there, bingo. But if they're not there, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so, that's now, how, how you, you described it as a 10-mile run, okay? What was so different? How many fish did you drive past in that 10-mile run? Why do you go to an area that far away? What was the dynamic that forced that big of a change, that far of a run? Uh, why that far? Yeah, so, so on the Noose River, depending on the flow, it is such a – even though it's a small river – and it's narrow and deep. You think you can find these fish, but in the winter, now in the summer months, you can literally go to any ramp and do successful. But in the winter time, these fish tend to migrate either way up or way down. And I felt you've got to kind of find where they're at at that point in time. And see how to kind of prove this a little bit is I went the weekend before and caught fish uh and caught fish where i caught the two little channel cats at and i did i did okay just for, you know fun fishing uh i did okay but it only took one week of rising water to push them essentially 15 20 miles down uh so they were just moved to a different location that involved you know deeper water calmer moving water uh and the water temperature had dropped and a little bit other factors so i had misjudged the fish assuming they were here knowing they probably could be somewhere else but um but i had i had it took me a little while to find out just how far they had went but once i did it was dynamite it was instantaneous i want to get to marking fish in a second but you mentioned something that's near and dear to my heart after the past week rising and falling water it's different in reservoirs but it's somewhat the same uh-huh. how is that in river systems and what effect to does that have the uh, rising water dropping water stable water go through those water levels and tell us how that affects you in those rivers especially some of these are smaller rivers with shallow water how, what would walk us through the effects there yeah yeah so depending on what area of the river 
you want the fish. Like I said, this thing's 200 miles long, and I'm not saying every single fish in that body of water is going to sit up in one spot. Cause that's that's not true. Uh, that's definitely not true. But so you can go and catch them anywhere all year, but you will find that they hang out more in certain areas depending on the bottom and the structure and just so many other factors but as far as rising water goes it can be very discouraging to a lot of people they'll say well tyler or or whoever man that current it's like in flood stage man it is rolling man how do you fish that and i tell you one of the most one there's one tip that has helped me become so much more successful on fast rising or it ain't even got to be rising it could be rose for for a week um but when it's way up it pushes these fish close to the banks and and traditionally i'll sit in the middle and i'll fan the river because it's so narrow i can cover everything i might be targeting this log jam but i can target the whole spread everywhere just because it's so narrow but um when this water's up and moving it pushes all of this bait out of these log jams it pushes all these fish out of these log jams it pushes fish from 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 out of these little ditches into the river it does so many things and all of this bait and all of these catfish are on the bank and when i say on the bank i'm talking this i'm i'm throwing look then i'll throw them on the bank and reel them in sometimes like i'm as soon as the word bam right there right right on the bank and, and it's truly it's really insane but once you trust that your you know your, your boat is essentially parked on land and you're th throwing them out right behind the, they're there they're coming through they're moving and if you're not catching fish when the water is rising you are definitely definitely not in an area where there's an abundance of fish because when that water's up and moving it pushes these fish out to the banks and they're rolling they're either you know they're looking for bait they're looking for some kind of eddy or current break so if you're not catching fish when the water's up you would definitely not on the right stretch of river you need to figure something else out so how much of your time is spent marking fish and fishing for those fish versus finding structure that is in the right place that should hold fish and fishing that? I never try to mark fish. If I mark fish, that's a bonus. That's a bonus. Uh, but I will. There's there's been several instances where I've said, hey, look, there's a catfish. Uh, and let's let's set up on it and put them in the boat. Sure, that happens. But uh, when the rivers are three four five feet deep you're not going to really mark them you're i mean it's so shallow your, your depth finder by the time you get over an area they, they're, them fish are either scattered to the bank or they're ran away from you or they're gone but you're not really going to mark a whole lot as as far as fish in like the noose river not to mention you're only looking at a space in a sonar cone that's going to be that wide yeah correct and and like i said and a lot of times it, the river gets so shallow you're pulling the boat so you got to trust your instincts to just know that these fish are more than likely held up on on either on these ledges that are close to the bank uh deeper straightaways or log jams and uh and really you just kind of got to hit them and keep moving until you find them but as far as marking fish that almost never happens now in the winter 
when I start targeting deeper water, uh, slower moving water, uh, yeah, you can you can definitely uh, you can definitely mark some fish and, and catch them that way. But most of the year, you just got to you just got to trust your gut and just say, I hope he's here, man. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you think? I, I've, I've been on some boats. I do not have live scope or pan optics or any of that stuff, but I've been on some boats. I've seen how it works with bass, striped bass. I've seen the live baits. I've seen them with crappie. Can, and I don't know if you've been on any boats where anybody's using it, but can you see a time to where fishermen, especially what you're talking about, flathead fishing, to where you could have a reluctant fish in a brush pile and you pitch a bait out there and almost like they do with uh, putting baits on bass that are, you know, sitting in a bed somewhere and they're basically aggravating them. Can you see that happening with flatheads at some point down the road? Um, at this moment, I don't know a whole lot about the live scope. Now I'll say the live scope has been a blessing to a lot of people uh, for so many factors, whether it's crappy fishing or or going to cast net bait uh, or, or things of that nature, that's been very beneficial. But as far as as far as really using live scope for cat fishing, um, I've, I haven't seen or watched or talked to anybody that has said this is a game changer. Uh, but that being said, I've never been on a boat with live scope at this point that if you were saying in a river that was had some submerged structure or um, or cover uh, that's 20 foot down. I don't know that you could see a flathead in that. I, I don't know because I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. On that. It's interesting. And and I tell you, Dieter, uh, before it's over with, we're going to we're going <laughs> to. We're gonna have like a, 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 a image that looks like me and you right now underwater. Oh, yeah. He's about fifty pounds. I, 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 in all seriousness, I that's gonna happen in my lifetime easily. I think you to, to the extent that you'll be able to look. Now you look at it and you go, yeah, that's a fish. That's probably a striper. That's probably a bass. But I think it's gonna get to the point where you'll be able to tell the difference between a blue cat and a channel catfish you know, a small channel and a small blue. I think it's going to get to that point with the technology. It's it's pretty amazing. I, I do think that sometime in the near future, you're going to see the evolution of tournament fishing change, especially the bottom bouncing crowd that do the stuff out in the Mississippi. I think it's going to get, I think you're going to see more people using the live scope yeah. to pinpoint a fish and go, that's a bigger fish than the one that's right over there. I need this fish or this one's a good under and they're going to be putting baits in front of fish. And I think I, I can see that happening at, at some point. Uh, you've, uh, we'll, we'll move, we'll move to down the road, uh, <laughs> looking forward again. What do you, what's your next evolution? What is, you know, I, I got a feeling you're not satisfied with where you're at. Um, you, you seem to be an eager beaver. What's your next evolution in fishing? TikTok, uh, uh, you know, whatever. What's next for you? What do you want to do? What do you want to improve on? Yep, yep. So, so what? Here's my goal, Dieter. Uh, and I tell you, uh, originally this was my plan uh, just a few years ago, and I have done that plan, and I'm ready to move on to another plan, all in good time. And my plan at the time was to be able to consistently 
do good in tournaments on every river system that was around me. So the tar, I've, I've won tournaments. Uh, the noose, the Cape Fear, I've won four championships in a row on the Cape, two on the noose. Um, you know, PD River won several tournaments. I've been very blessed and eager to keep grinding and keep learning all of these river systems and apply my knowledge. And you'll find out that that what works on one works on all of these. So that's mm. what's helped me so quick. I'm so when I get to these places, I say, well, if th this worked on the news or this this river's kind of shaped like the Cape, let's try that. And man, it's really success. It is really the same thing. So my next goal is to slowly step away from these smaller hometown rivers, uh, get me a different vessel of some sort, maybe uh, uh, like a pro cat or or some something more, um, you know, well equipped for these larger places, say James River. Uh, or or start um, learning lake fishing like Gaston or Car Lake. Uh, really chase the tournaments and and do the same thing, but progress to the larger places. Maybe Mississippi River one day, maybe Ohio, maybe uh, you know wherever. Um, but that's my goal. I've done about as good as I think that I'm gonna ever do here. Uh, now nobody can win every single time. That's impossible. Uh, I don't th I don't think that's possible at all, but but you can be consistent. You can be very consistent all the time. And so I feel like I'm as consistent as I can personally be uh, on these rivers, considering I have fished them forever and I beat them to death every weekend. Like I have I feel like I've done all I can do, but it's time for me. I'll never get better as an as an angler if I don't strive to learn these other places, no matter how much out of out of the comfort zone I am or, or how intimidating it may look with 100 boats, 150, uh, because if somebody can catch them, so can I. I feel yeah. that way. So just well, got to take the time and learn. Yeah, no, I think that's a formidable challenge because uh, when I used to fish tournaments and we would have the Cabela's King Cat on Santee, guys from the Mississippi, you know, Ohio would come out here. Most of them didn't do that good on a big lake. Vice versa, guys from out here that fish reservoirs go out to the Mississippi River, and it's a big intimidating. And honestly, rivers, I mean, between the Mississippi, Ohio, Missouri, is a totally different ballgame than the rivers you fish. You know, it's a different dynamic in those rivers. So, so yeah, you uh, that's cool. That's cool that you want to, you know, branch out into yep. that. What do you think is going to be the biggest challenge doing that? Is it just the paradigm in your head of where you think fish are? Are you instinctively going to want want to run to the river section when you get to Lake Gaston and run naturally. way on up? <laughs> naturally, naturally, I tell you, naturally, uh, that's 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 what I'll be thinking. Where's that river? Okay, I'm out here on the Yadkin chain. Oh well, if I go up, there's a river. That's where I'm heading. That's got current. I'm in my. But my biggest challenge is. I'm going to have to let go from all of my comfort zone and all of these hometown rivers that I've grown up fishing that I'm so super comfortable with and just let it go and spend every weekend instead of on the noose in the Cape and in the, in the wherever, uh, tar and PD, 
I've got to say this weekend I'm going to James River. This there's a big there's a big tournament coming up, or there's a trail on uh, Kerr Lake. I'm a I'm only going to fish Kerr Lake every weekend. No matter how horrible that sounds in my mind right now, I've got to do it because I'll never get any better. Uh, I'll never get any better. There's no way if you don't if you don't branch out and learn these other bodies of water. And it's super cool meeting people too and talking and seeing different a different crowd and things like that. And 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 so I'm super pumped up to be fishing wherever I go. But my goal is definitely to never slow down always get better and progress uh in this fishing world and and just see where it leads one day never know yeah and you didn't get to where you're at by getting luck i mean luck plays a part you got to have some luck but you fish a lot how much do you fish put it give us give the people listening an idea of how much time you put on you know in the you know on the water and just how that affects the rest of your life, your social life, and everything else. Yeah, you know, Dieter, I tell you this. Um, I have I have sacrificed a lot of things um, for my passion of catfishing. I have. Uh, I've spent a lot of time on the water when I should be doing something different. Uh, but that's who I am. And like we talked about at the beginning, this is what I've grown up doing. This is what my dad did. This is what he wanted me to do. And this is what I love to do, and and there's so I'm not going to stop. Uh, I'm going to keep going, and uh, you know I do work. I do have a full time job too, so I'm an insurance agent. So I can't fish every day. Some people say, "Well, that Tyler man, he's out there Monday through Sunday." Every that ain't true, but I wish it was, <laughs> but it's not. So so, but but realistically, um, I'm probably on the water somewhere. 40 something weeks of the year 40 something weekends of the year sometimes sunday only sometimes sunday and uh i'm sorry sometimes just saturday or sometimes saturday and sunday uh and if there's vacation days i might be saturday sunday monday tuesday it just depends but i'm on the water essentially every weekend and in closing when you're out there do you Feel a connection to your dad who loved to be on the water. And what would he think about you being a state record holder and all the great fishing you've done? Oh, man, I know he's out there watching me all the time and smiling at him because if you think I got a, a crazy looking smile, you ain't seen nothing. <laughs> so I think he would be super pumped up and super supportive and tell me exactly what I'm telling you today uh, to never slow down. And if this is what I want to do, uh, progress and never quit doing what you love to do no matter what it takes well there you go guys i mean listen if the next generation of anglers is like this young man positive uplifting a good attitude man we're in good shape our fishing future is in good shape it's a great guy uh i'm gonna be doing more podcasts with him uh, down the road talking about some different stuff. I like his take. I like his angle on stuff. Uh, he's got a different perspective than a lot of people. And the biggest thing is he doesn't mind talking. He's not scared to talk and uh, he's not scared to share information. And I love that. And uh, it's kind of good to see things from his perspective uh, on where he's at. He's got a state record under his belt. That's awesome. Wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't pull another one out of the water at some point. And a great guy, Tyler, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk to us. And uh, until next time, guys, we'll catch you out on the water.